being said, very happy to have on the broadcast, uh, rejoining us here, he was with us last year around the same time, and that is Jim Schaus, the SOCON Commissioner, the Southern Conference Commissioner, to start off our Commissioner Central Series, where we go around the country getting the thoughts of commissioners and, and executive directors on this world of collegiate athletics and what's going on, the strength of their specific conferences, the evolution of their conferences, as well as the bigger picture of name, image, and likeness, a.k.a. NIL, as well as the transfer portal and where collegiate athletics are heading from here. So with that being said, it is my honor and my privilege to start off this series with Jim Schaus, the SOCON Commissioner, as they are coming off celebrating 100 years of existence from 1921 to 2021 and are now stepping into that new century here in 2022. Jim, how are you? Great, Dan. Thanks. And I'm happy to have you here, Jim, and happy to be able to spend some time with you. And I wanted to start off first and foremost with that, with the strength of the SOCON. I mean, the Southern Conference has evolved over the years. There's been a lot of changes and things that have happened. There's a rich history of teams that are now, you know, part of schools that are part of other conferences, but how things kind of started regionally. And when we look at that, the fact that, you know, collegiate athletics didn't have as many conferences, they were really to the region that the institution was in. When you see different things happening with realignment and, you know, the Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC and then Cincinnati, Houston and UCF out of the American to the Big 12 and then BYU is no longer independent and then Conference USA losing six to the American and all these different things that have happened, Division Two teams becoming Division One. As these conferences become bigger and bigger, and we see 16 in, in a conference, 14 in a conference, the SOCON has its history in being that big conference regionally. Do you see at any point that we could see uh, college athletics move back to less conferences that are more regional-based and have a bigger membership group, or how do you see that? You know, it's certainly possible. Um I think with some of the transformation changes that will take place, you know, in the next six to 12 months, at least getting an idea of what those main pillars are going to be, uh, that could impact a conference affiliation because uh, there could end up being new Division One membership standards that might require certain levels of commitment in order to be at Division One or to, to compete at, at, a, at a given level um, in Division One at a given sport. So, that that's interesting. Um, you know, there's this is certainly a an unprecedented time of transition and change, um, and I think you know I'm, I have a, a meeting, our spring meeting next week with our presidents, athletic directors, SWAs, and faculty athletic reps, and that's one of my messages: is that change is coming. It's going to be significant. Uh, we've been together as a conference. We're you know through some of this membership changes and, and we just need to continue to talk together, work together as some of these adjustments are coming. So, yeah, I don't, you know, obviously uh, some of those changes were, you know, re re related to, to strength, um, you know, maybe some of it from television at the highest level, but I think uh, being more geographically regional makes a lot of sense cost wise um, and uh, even though that there was a period where a lot of leagues really expanded, and you saw that more kind of at the group of five level um, than you did at, at our FCS level, 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, you know, it, uh, I, I do believe that a lot of conferences financially, they're looking to be wise in terms of, of geographic location. So with that being said, to speak specifically on the SOCON and, and what you think at, at this point currently as you head into those those meetings, how would you describe the strength of the SOCON 100 years plus in? What are you seeing from the SOCON as you step forward? And what are those pillars that you think really show the strength of where your conference specifically is heading? Well, naturally, we have history. Um, so we're, you know, stability. I think those are things that um, really stand out. Um, we have a, a lot of camaraderie within our league, even though that institutionally we have some diversity. Uh, you have two military publics. Um, you have four um, total publics. Uh, we, we, we've got four privates. So you have some different types of configurations. We're in a very similar area of the country, so that's, that, that's, that, that's helpful. Uh, but despite some of those institutional challenges, we get along great. You know, we work together. Um, so I, I think that's special. Um, I think our conference has a real focus on academics. We have some academic programming that is unique. Um, we have a, an undergraduate research forum that's uh, hosted at Wofford every year where 10 students from each school come and present research projects. Uh, this past February, we had uh, an entrepreneurship challenge, kind of like a shark tank, uh, where profit and nonprofit teams of students, this is non-athletes, uh, met. We honor our faculty staff and we were looking at a leadership conference. For, for deans and department heads coming up here. So those are things that I think academics are very important uh, to our league. Um, men's basketball has been a strength. You know, we were ranked 12th in the country out of 32 Division One conferences. Uh, a year ago, we were ninth. So we have a league that's highly competitive across the board. Uh, so that's certainly a point of pride. Um, you know, we're very good in, in FCS football, too. So that's an area that, um, you know, we, we uh, look to get multiple teams uh, back in the playoffs coming up here. So, yeah, I think there's a, you know, a, a number of things that uh, we look at as strengths. And and as you step forward and look at the evolution of, of the SOCON, I mean, you and I have talked about the history of, of the SOCON in the past, and now the evolution as, as this conference takes a step forward. What would you point to when we talk about evolution, progression, and what is coming? What do you see in the SOCON? What have we seen over the last few years that you feel can really play to the evolution and the rise of, of what the message is of the SOCON and the strength of it to kind of go off of that a little bit more? Yeah, I think one of the things is to improve our branding. Um, and I think we were able to do that through a new television contract with ESPN and CBS Sports Network. And we also have an agreement with, with Nextar Broadcasting Stations and more of a regional network. So we were having, you know, maybe one and a half averaged uh, nationally linear television games for men's basketball. And this last year we had 13. So a new agreement, building the brand, um, that's important. Um uh, you know, our, our agreement has over 700 events that's on ESPN Plus. So I think that's one thing that we've we've grown on. Um, I think increased stability in our league. Um, we increased the exit fees. Uh, you know, basically more than doubled those. 
uh, to send a message that we want to be together. And I think that's really important moving forward is, are you together? You know, what is, how would you define success? And so uh, those things are important. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we, we continue to look at things academically. We want to be highly competitive in all of our sports. And those are things that we're looking at. How do we, and what can we do in scheduling? What can we do in, 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 in a variety of things to help better position our better teams and better sports uh, for success in the postseason? So those are a few things that come to mind. And, and when you look at these annual spring meetings and, and getting everybody together, you and I were talking off the air that, it, you know, it's been a while since, you know, during this pandemic, you can really bring everybody into a room together. What are you most looking forward to in just being able to have these meetings and sit down? What what has gotten you excited? What are you thankful for uh, of these last couple of years of what we've seen to just be in the meeting room with the figureheads of these schools that make up your conference? What are you most looking forward to? Yeah, it's always good to get together, um, just kind of kind of building that relationship face to face. Yes, you know we've had a lot of a lot of Zoom calls, and so being face to face, and and you can get a little bit more intimate and more detailed on your discussions. So I, I look forward to having more more vibrant dialogue. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe sharing with the membership what's going on with the transformation, all the different topics, whether it's, you know, D1 membership or, you know, what's going to happen with championships or, um, you know, deregulation, what types of changes or, you know, what's the Power Five looking at doing long term. And so talking about um, what I'm hearing that's out there, uh, what my thoughts are, and then, of course, what their thoughts are and, and having dialogue in anticipation, even though we don't know exactly what the game plan is going to be, um, getting feedback uh, from our membership. And that's going to be important as we look ahead. How do we stay together? How do we stay strong? Uh, how do we communicate and anticipate some of these changes and make sure we've had a chance to vet a lot of those different perspectives out? That coming here from Jim Schaus, the SOCON commissioner here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora to start off our Commissioner Central series, taking a look around the country at the goings-on of collegiate athletics and getting to know the conferences specifically as well as taking a look at the bigger picture. Uh, Jim, you, you said you want to sit down and, and speak on what you think the quote-unquote Power Five, the autonomy group, of the Big 12, uh, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC, and the Pac-12 could be doing. What do you anticipate? Because I've spoken with some within these conferences about the fact that you know autonomy by definition means self-governing, that in the future there could be a breakaway. What are you hearing? What are you thinking of the future of collegiate athletics? Could we see a breaking away of this autonomy group and then essentially, you know, collegiate athletics from there having to figure out where the FBS remainders as well as the FCS are going to go from there that are within Division One. What do you think of the future of collegiate athletics from, from that standpoint? Well, I would say, given what we've learned in the last year or two, nothing would surprise me. Um, but I'm not expecting any time in the near future the Power Five breaking away, if you will, Breaking away, in my mind, means that you're leaving the NCAA. You're creating your own structure. I, I, I just that seems a little. I, I don't sense that's where most people are at the at the Power Five level. Um, is that something that could happen much longer down the road as an evolution towards you know greater autonomy? Yes, I think that's possible. Um, I think 
you know, a lot of the discussions with transformation is, is going to be about more, more freedom for them. So ability to potentially have to offer more scholarships or more staffing sizes with coaches or, you know, um, so, uh, so, so more access for them. So I, I think, I think if, if discussions go where, where I think they will, I think they're going to continue, even though we know that, uh, you know, schools in our conference is much different than in the SEC. We get that. That's always been the case. We don't want to hold them back. I mean, if there's things that they need to do and they want to hire two or three extra basketball coaches, go for it. You know, if, uh, you know, if we end up having equivalency sports like baseball, being able to offer more than 11.7 scholarships and they can offer 15 or 18 and some of those schools want to spend the money to go do that, that's fine. You know, I mean, those things are going to happen. And, um, so I, I think that there's a place for um, autonomy groups to to get more freedom and, and more access as they need it. Um, but we can still do that and stay under the big tent and still have what really binds us together, which is the, the men's basketball tournament, women's basketball tournaments. Those things really bind us together and NCAA championships. And we compete against those schools. So I, I just like to believe that it's going to look different. I think there's going to be continued changes. Um, but my, my hope is that uh, we can all stay together. And I think there's value in that, even though we do compete at different levels. That coming from Jim Schaus here, SOCON commissioner on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from inside of the Cafe Kubal studios. To go off of that, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing collegiate athletics from your point of view right now? Um. Well, I, I, I think uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, one is leadership. I think that, you know, you have Mark Emmert stepping down. So who is going to be the next, the next NCAA president? What is the role of that position? What is the structure of the NCAA? Is there going to be some adjustments there? So that's, that's very big. Um, I, think there, I think there'll be some adjustments. And what, what is Division One? So what does it take to be in Division One? And so I, what are those standards? I think that's... That's going to be a very big area. Um, I think deregulation, simplification of the NCAA, uh, probably having recruiting rules being more simplified. Um, I think the NIL situation is it's kind of a mess. I mean, it's it, it doesn't seem to have any easy solution anytime soon. You know, you have states with different laws, probably congress getting involved and having you know some structure where it can be consistent across the board is probably the main solution which i might be a year or two away i don't think it's that that is a top priority for them right now um the nca came out recently and talked about i think they're going to really focus on some of the more egregious issues where we've had legislation that doesn't allow boosters to pay student athletes and and that that direct relationship um uh, you know, is, is, is always been a concern. And so I think they're going to take a look at trying to look at those situations that are apart from legitimate NIL, where athletes are really, you know, legitimately making money on their name, image, and likeness. It's not that. It's, it's at some of these collectives that are, you know, getting involved and paying players for nothing. You know, they're, they're, they're not actually doing commercials for them, et cetera. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and the litigation issues are significant right now. I mean, you know, the NCAA has had lawsuits and lost the Alston case. What is what does the industry look like and be successful in the future? 
you know, dealing with some of those issues, uh, to do some more responsibilities, move down to the conferences from the NCAA. I mean, so there's just, uh, there's a whole lot, um, I think that's, that's out there to, uh, to discuss that's been unique. Um, I think the transfer portal is kind of done. I mean, I don't think that's going to change any, um, you know, people are adapting to that. Um, you know, there'll be continued discussions about athletes getting paid or getting more. I think that's always going to be the case. Um, so, you know, I don't think the NCA, I don't think its members want pure pay for play. I don't think that's something that's desired to have athletes be employees. I don't think that's, there's a whole set of other issues related to that. Um, but there's just a few for you, Dan. <laughs> you know, and, and you mentioned uh, two of the big ones, right? NIL and the transfer portal. And, and, and that seems to, I mean, people call it the wild, wild West. Uh, some people say the wild, wild West had more rules. And I saw this from a million miles away that this was going to become a, a very, intense, uh, deep problem because there is, I mean, you talked about it, states have different rules and regulations when, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they were trying to put NIL out there after California's ruling, there were nine states at one point that had some plan in place and the other 41 states were still either reviewing or or didn't want to do it. And the NCAA said, well, everybody for this year is going to do it. And I think when that confused me. Can the NCAA overrule the states within the union, and does that get Congress involved? You spoke about Congress and whatnot. So there's a lot of gray area to this, and the leadership is changing. And when Mark Emmert said, you know, within these past couple of years, I am not the czar of football, I have no control over college football, I mean, that left a lot of people thinking, okay, well, then then what what is the job of the president of the NCAA? So as, as the NCAA is going through this transformation process and this uh, new constitution and whatnot, what are you hoping for in leadership? And do you hope that somebody does take the reins of college football as the NCAA president? And do you, do you feel that, that football should function separately outside of, uh, of the NCAA world? I mean, I, I think that what's gone on the last couple of years have created a lot more questions than answers. So what do you want the next president to to really embody and and does there need to be more control over college football i think the the next president or executive director or whatever that role needs to be will have to be a consensus builder we have to build trust within the membership um you know the ncaa has multiple boards there's a board of governors board of directors there's a presidential forum there's a division one council so i i think the governance structure probably needs to be simplified a little bit and, and, and to determine what the role is of that executive director or president. What is their, what is their role? What, what are they trying to do? Um, you know, football, I, you know, I, I know there is some, there is some interest uh, in discussions about whether FBS would have separate um, guidelines and legislation um, separately might have more autonomy uh, even from the NCA's involvement, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily all that bad. If that if that occurs, I know I'm at an FCS conference. You're either in Division One, you're either FBS, you're FCS, um, or you're not playing football. So yeah. I think there's a, a lot of differences between them. Um, 
I, I think if it, if it only was limited to football, wasn't all sports. Um, I think that's something that there's some talk about that. I, I, I think that's certainly possible. We would just want to have the ability to continue to play FBS programs in games and receive guarantees. And we do receive some uh, financial support from, from the CFP, the college football playoff. So um, I, I could see changes like that. I think there's going to be, you know, I think you're going to see some things, whether it includes football being separate or not. I don't know. Um, but that's certainly, it's certainly one of the topics of discussion. And, and as we look at it, I mean, like you said, you're in an FCS, a Division One AA uh, conference in the SOCON. And, and when we take a, a look at this, you know, there's all the conversation of the college football playoff and the expansion of the college football playoff and the need to have more fairness here. Well, at the FCS level, you already have a, a playoff that has that that is expansive that does allow for more than four teams to showcase themselves. So, what do you think of the model of the FCS when it comes to football and really determining who the champion is? And do you think the college football playoff should look at the model of the FCS and and see some of the value in it? What can you say about uh, what the FCS provides and and if? the college football playoff expansion, if it would behoove the committee to at least entertain what the FCS has been able to do because it seems to have been successful. Yeah, I think the FCS model is very successful. Um, it's very exciting, uh, the playoff uh, situation, how it how it kind of boils down. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to see more national television during the regular season for FCS football, but there's just not a lot of space when you're talking about what, what's what's available on a Saturday. It's a great brand and quality football um, that I, you know, I, I hope we can find ways to get more exposure. Uh, in the playoffs, there, there is uh, some national linear television. So, uh, yeah, I think... I think um, I think we, we have a very good model and it, and it's uh, it, to me, it's in a very exciting situation. Um, you know, I think that FBS will expand. I think the college football playoff will expand. I think it's going to take some, a little, little time, people working through it, but I, I think it will get bigger to a larger number. Um, you know, will those additional spaces, will it, will it allow every group of five school a slot or maybe just a chance at a slot you know, how many at-larges are there? How many are guaranteed slots? Those are things that are probably part of the debate. But I, I think if we're sitting here two years from now, I think I think it'll probably, something will happen by, by then that will show that it will expand. There's just more interest, obviously, uh, the number of FBS programs that compete. Uh, I spent 11 years as the AD at Ohio, so those are things, schools like that, you know, would love to have more access um, and when you have 130 schools, you know, and you'll have four in a championship, you know, so probably expanding that makes sense and would be more consistent with other sport entities in terms of that ratio. That yeah, coming from Jim Schaus, the SOCON commissioner here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, Jim, we, we, you spoke a little bit about uh, the transfer portal and what happens there. Uh, within your conference and, and coming up after you, I'll be joined uh, live by Kyle Kalander, the Big South commissioner, and the Big South and the SOCON are the two conferences that still currently have the intra-conference rule where if you go from one school to another within the conference of the 
SOCON or the Big South, you do have to still sit out a year. We saw that rule dissolve with other conferences in Division One. What are your thoughts on, on this moving forward? Is, is this a rule that you may do away with? And how do you see maybe the advantages and disadvantages of the intra-conference rule? I think originally the rule existed in conferences because you didn't want to have collegiality issues with when uh, coaches are going back and forth and potentially tampering and getting upset and the 80s are getting involved. And, you know, the schools are supposed to be partners. And so I think I think that was, you know, a very good rule. I think it, 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 it helps that. Um, you know, keeping in mind that an interconference transfer situation is rare, doesn't really happen all that often. Um, and I think that our, our membership has not reviewed it in a while. Um, you know, it's been probably close to a year and been a lot of changes since then. Is it possible that we might make a change to that? It, it is. Um, it's really up to the schools. The schools vote. You know, conference offices don't make decisions like that. It's really done by the membership in voting. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be a topic of discussion, uh, that we'll have with administrators next week, um, to see if that's something that they want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, I think that, um, I think our conference isn't afraid to be unique. If there's things that we feel strongly about, we have a league that really, really focuses on unity. And uh, so I, I could see some examples in the future where our conference will make decisions about certain options that are out there that, you know, hey, if you could add a couple more coaches, you know, our league may say, we don't want to do that. Let's not all do that. And um, so I think you'll see more differentiation among conferences in the future once more of the details of the transformation become available Um instead of all the way across the board, you'll see everybody doing the same thing. I think there'll be more autonomy that conferences will have and, and, and conferences will group uh, around what, what's important to them, what their values are. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, those are, you know, that's just one of maybe other topics in the future that is really up to the membership. And I'm, you know, certainly going to support what our members want to do. And, and like you said, with this transformation and, and seeing what exactly the parameters are going to be of the, the NCAA moving forward and those within it, the the dare to be different, right? In, in today's world, do you feel as, as a leader of, of a conference, as someone who has so much responsibility, do you feel that there is almost this force into a model now that if somebody does it right, everybody has to do it right. When California passed the legislation and said, "Well, within our state, we're going to allow name, image, and likeness," that forced the hand of the NCAA. Do you feel, as a commissioner in in today's collegiate athletic world, that there is more of a move away from make your own decision and more of a hey, you need to follow the leader, you need to you need to get in line with everybody? I mean, how do you assess? the way that things are kind of handled now because social media has obviously involved itself a lot in everything. I think everybody's sitting at everybody's dinner table now, at least that's what it looks like. So how do you, how do you handle that? How do you handle, Hey, we want to have our own identity and you know, well, these five conferences went in that direction and we think you should go there too. How do you handle 
that that world and do you think it is like that now where there's almost a forcing of the hand instead of saying hey you're your own conference you're your own entity do what you feel is right i think it depends on the situation um i think you know when there is situations in order to stay competitive that i think um you know athletic directors for example are going to be paying attention what peer conferences are doing or what schools they compete against in their region and you know it starts when you know somebody improves facilities or you know makes a greater investment in a coaching salary um that that dynamic exists and and you certainly want to be competitive so i think there's a relationship between investment and expected return so you have to keep in mind whether it's within your conference or even regionally or nationally that you are going to be paying attention to what other people are doing you know, you are going to have to identify uh, what it takes to be competitive. So there's that. I, I think there's other other possibilities that, that aren't necessarily about financial investment that could relate to how a conference, you know, wants to operate. You know, if you look at the Ivy League, for example, they, they've made decisions about how they're going to operate with scholarships and, and how they're going to approach things. Um I think you'll just see more of that. That may not necessarily be about competitive investment, but there could be other things, just general nuances. And some of it's uh, some of it is financial. You know, uh, you know, conferences at our level, they're, they're not. You know, we don't compete with Georgia and Alabama now. And if they've got more ability to spend more money and they have the capacity to do that, you're not going to see schools in our league just jump up and go, "Well, we got to stay up with Georgia." So. Uh, I think it's more difficult probably for the group of five conferences, you know, that aren't really in a position to stay up with them. But uh, so I, I think that, um, you know, if, if, if some of those schools at the highest level want to grow and do more, I think a lot of people at our level is like, go for it. You know, that's fine. You know, that's that's not going to be fine for us. We won't be able to do that. Our schools can't afford to do that or are not interested in doing that. So I think it depends, Dan, on, the, the, the situation at hand because you always want to compete with your peers so you have to you have to look at staying up with the joneses in some cases for sure uh but there may be some other um more governance structure orientation that that in the future you might see more differentiation than you have in the past yeah, you know and and as we've seen there's been so many different things that are affecting the world of collegiate athletics now and, and of the model and, and of where to head from here and and decisions being made and, and what can that do to affect you. As you look at the SOCON conference now, when you look at what the SOCON has become, do you look at expansion? Do you look at you know what some conferences are doing because teams are consistently moving around? Do you look at Division Two and maybe bringing one of those institutions that could be primed to do that, bringing them up. How do you view realignment from the SOCON's point of view as you as you look at 2022 and beyond? Well, we dealt with that last year. You know, there was a number of our schools who were approached by different conferences for affiliation. And, you know, I think that we were we exhibited solidarity, you know, that we we, we are committed to the conference. We, we, you know, our schools want to be in our league. They see the value of what we're about and it fits in a lot of different areas so yeah we dealt with that uh we talked about expansion and i think that our focus is quality over quantity we could add more schools we could be at 16 tomorrow if that's what we wanted to do 
um, but we'd rather have 10 committed quality institutions. And does that mean that we would never consider expanding a school or two in the future? No, it doesn't. You know, if it, if it was right, if it made sense, if the membership felt committed to it, and it fit, you know, it's got to fit a geographic footprint. It's got to fit an academic commitment level. Um, you know, you want to, you would want additions to make you better in areas that you want to be better at. Um, so I think probably a lot of the major shifts and changes at our level probably were, you know, took place last year. Does it mean that there might be a few other shifts? There could be. Um, the most important thing is you just have to be the best you can be. You know, you have to be progressive and, and, and look at how you can build and grow so you have members that want to be a part of that vision. And, and of the members that you have, when you look at them, and like you said, quality over, over quantity, you could be 16 tomorrow, but you have 10 today and you feel good about what you have. When you look at these schools across the board, what are the things that you think uh, adequately can, can describe what we're looking at here? I mean, we look at Virginia Military Institute, we look at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, we look at East Tennessee State, Wofford, Furman. Citadel, Western Carolina, UNC, Greensboro, Mercer, Samford. How would you describe the makeup of this conference currently? I think, as I mentioned, I think there is some unique diversity in the institutions. So I don't know if there's a conference in the country that has regular publics, military publics, and private schools in one league. And so on the face of it, there's some neat things about that diversity. And then on the other side of the coin, there's some challenges because the schools are unique. Um, if you've ever been to VMI, it's it's a very different place. It's not like a, a more of an inner city school like UNCG or Chattanooga. So the schools are very different. But I would say what binds us together is a, a, a commitment to academics. Uh, I think our geography is important. Uh, we're a bus league. Nobody flies to anything uh, within our league. I think there's great history. Um, you know, I think we have uh, several of our key sports that we've been competitive in. So um, it is interesting. Uh, when I was in the Missouri Valley Conference at Wichita State, uh, we were very split, public and private. So I don't think that necessarily, um, it, you know, the institutions don't have to always be the same, you know, that there could be some differences. And yet you can find some commonality on the things that make, make sense. And knowing that your home is is there in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, how would you describe that? Like you said, all the schools can can bus. They don't have to fly to each other. So that's obviously something that not a lot of conferences can say. And, you know, there are some conferences that kind of head-scratcher a little bit when you look at a team that looks completely displaced when most of the teams are in the West and here's a team in the Midwest. So uh, being in Spartanburg, South Carolina for your headquarters and having these institutions surround you, what can you say about Spartanburg and about calling South Carolina home for the SOCON? We've been here since 2005. So uh, we've been here for a while. We're, we're very centrally located. You know, there, you know, no, no trip. I, I was just in Birmingham this week um, and that's a pretty far trip. Uh, from Spartanburg, but it's still, you know, four and a half hours. And, you know, I get to VMI, the other extreme and, and about the same. So uh, it's helpful for travel. You know, we have um, neutral championships like our men's and women's basketball tournament is in Asheville, North Carolina, also very centrally located. It's an hour from here. 
our baseball tournament is going on right now in Greenville, South Carolina, which is 35 minutes from here, also very centrally located. Um, so I think that helps, you know, that you've got championships that are convenient. Um, you know, the travel uh, is convenient. The, the culture here in the Southeast, you know, we have, uh, you know, we all live in an environment that's very similar um, so yeah, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot that we can hang our hat on. That um, being here in Spartanburg, being here in South Carolina, we have, you know, two schools, Furman and Wofford, that are very close. Citadel is down in Charleston, not very far. So, you know, we it, it really, it really has made a lot of sense. And I think the history of our league and that stability also has helped as well. That coming from Jim Shouse here, SoCon Commissioner, and, and Jim. Final note here: favorite part of your job. It, the, you know, times are challenging the last couple of years with NIL, transfer portal, pandemic, you know, just a few more things to add on to the plate of a, a typical day of a commissioner. So what is your favorite part of what you do? It's the people. Um, I think that, you know, dealing with um, our different campuses, our presidents or ADs or, you know, the different administrators, coaches get to see student athletes. It's all about those relationships that we have with people and, and that is refreshing to me to at our championship to watch uh, those baseball teams compete for a chance to win a conference title, get to the NCAA's, um, the fans. It's all about people, and and I think we've got we've got great people in our administration that I love to work with. And uh, although there are some things logistically and some of the changes that are going on in our industry that I can't say that I necessarily love all of those things. Uh, I, I get refreshed when I get back with our people. That coming from Jim Shouse, SoCon Commissioner, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside the Cafe Kubal Studios. Jim, I appreciate your time. I'm happy that we got to kick off Commissioner Central this series with you, and I thank you for uh, going into a lot of these different pieces of the world of collegiate athletics and, and, and diving into, obviously, the reality that it is a very interesting time, a unique time for conferences, for schools, for student-athletes, for coaches, and, of course, for the NCAA as a whole. So I thank you for your expertise and your time spent within the profession, and I thank you for taking some time with us today. My pleasure, Dan. Good luck to you. All right, take care. That coming from Jim Shouse once again here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life inside of the Cafe Ball Studios.